G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey, and I'm joined by my dad, clinical psychologist Chris Mackey, and this is Psych Spiels and Silver Linings. G'day, Dad. How are you going today? Good, thanks, Rowan. Good to be with you again. Good to be with you as always, and, and look, I know I say that every week, but... I absolutely mean it this week. I'm as excited for this topic as I have been for a good long while, Dad, because this stuff is my absolute jam. I absolutely love this stuff. And we're going to be talking about creativity today. So we've called today's episode Calling on Creativity. Dad, do you want to just give us a bit of a brief rundown? What are we going to be talking about today? Okay, well, creativity helps us live our lives more fully. And we look at different topics related to mental health and well-being, enhancing mental health and well-being, and consistent with the field of positive psychology, we're looking at not just what kind of things might ease depression or reduce anxiety symptoms, we're also looking at what enhances the positive pole of well-being. And one of those key themes is creativity, I suppose following on a little bit from what we talked about flow in a recent episode of when we're really immersed and engaged in what we're doing, Creativity is kind of like related to the idea of flow, but a broader kind of theme of how we enhance our lives in novel ways. It's so true, Dad. And look, it's such a fascinating topic, creativity. And it's something that you and I have both looked into a little bit, I suppose, coming from slightly different angles as well. And obviously, you know, as, as we'll talk about a bit today, there's a, a range of mental health benefits to discussing creativity, thinking about creativity, pursuing our creativity. But I suppose also, like, you know, just for myself, as a podcaster, Dad, there's a, I suppose, a, a bit of a set process that you go through with a podcast in terms of, you know, you've got to learn how to edit, you've got to record it in a certain way and put everything up online in a certain way. And then you almost get to the point of kind of going, well, once I know that process, it's like, how, how can I actually improve things? How can I look to, you know, improve the quality of my content in some ways? And for me, one thing that I found really interesting is to look at creativity and what creativity does. Because as you said, talking about flow, there's one of the things that we spoke about in that flow episode was the elements of differentiation and integration. And we'll expand on this a little bit today, but I think there's, there's such a core element of creativity which, which helps us to differentiate but we can't just do it off on our own, as we'll talk a little bit about today. There does have to be an element of, of linking that into what other people think as well. Yes, and sometimes when people think about creativity, they might think this is something that applies to other people, like a creative genius like the Beatles or being a Picasso or a great architect like Frank Lloyd Wright. People might think, oh, that applies to other people. But no, they're different kind of aspects of creativity that we can all develop in ourselves. And so we're going to be looking at some of those components, some of those different aspects of creativity that we can all relate to. Well, most definitely, and, and it is actually one of the things that I find so interesting about creativity, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in the next episode too. I will just mention that we've had to split this episode up into a couple of parts, Dad, because we thought there's so much that we want to talk about, and we've actually had a little bit of a rewrite today, the, the two of us here, because we thought, hold on, we really need to, uh, to do this properly, being something that, that is so central to our interests too, but, but it is such an interesting idea, that myth of creativity, you know, we think about things like Isaac Newton being hit on the head with an apple and there's all these stories. You mentioned the Beatles. I think the song Yesterday appeared to Paul McCartney in a dream. And so we do, yeah, have this mythology that creative individuals seem to just be able to pull these ideas out of absolutely anywhere and it just, you know, they manifest it themselves and it almost strikes them from some external place. 
But I think when you drum things down a little bit and when you look into creativity a little bit more, as you say, there is a bit of a process that we can follow and there are some elements that we can look at and yeah, recognise that maybe we do have a little bit more creativity than we gave ourselves credit for. It's one thing I hear so often all the time is, you know, people say, I can't draw. I'm not a very good drawer, but if I was to stick at it for a little while, you know, you might get better, all this sort of thing. But people immediately just see themselves as, as not being someone who's able to do that. And I, I think with creative pursuits, that happens as much as, as with anything. Is Yeah, people discounting themselves in that sense. Yeah, so one thing I find interesting that relates to this idea of whether you have to be some really remarkable person to be creative or whether we can just be ourselves is I'm really interested in the old Roman notion of genius. The Romans believed that everyone had a genius but they didn't mean being an intellectual giant. At first they meant that every person had some kind of guiding spirit or accompanying spirit that would help them reach their fitting fate or destiny guide them to how their life might best play out. But over time, that evolved more to the idea of each person having unique attributes and talents. And that's also something that comes up in the idea of the character strengths that we've talked about with positive psychology. If we look at those 24 universally recognised attributes across all cultures, one of which is creativity. Actually, it's the first listed of the 24 character strengths. When we look at the character strength questionnaire, for example... So there's this idea that maybe all of us can have some kind of unique talent or attributes. Well, certainly we all come from a unique kind of background with particular kind of perspectives. And our experiences are different. It might be dealing with a disability. It might be finding ourselves living in a remote geographical area. It might be something that we're exposed to some kind of uncommon learning or craft early in life. There are different experiences that we have that can lend themselves to being able to solve problems in some kind of novel way or express ourselves in some novel way. So I like that idea of each of us potentially having these particular attributes. And what we look at from a positive psychology perspective is looking to develop the attribute of creativity, for example. So if it's a very strong attribute, and if we've done our character strengths questionnaire, if it comes out one of the top strengths, then sure, draw on that in a whole range of situations. If it's a middling strength, that might take a bit more effort, but we'll still have it. If it's a lower strength... It might take more effort again, but we might gain something and round ourselves out more as people if we develop that flexibility to sometimes look at things in more novel ways, even while we draw on other strengths, so to speak. But when we make some effort to develop our creativity, predictably, we're likely to enhance our lives in some way because of the benefits of creativity. And we'll get into exactly what some of those benefits are in, in just a moment, Dad, but I think it's such an important point. And it's one, I believe it was Gay Hendricks who wrote the book, The Big Leap. And in that book, they talk about the idea of a zone of genius. So, you know, obviously you say genius, you know, it's changed as a term over the time, but it seems to me that there's an element of kind of reclaiming almost that, in a way, initial definition of genius to look at it and say, well, you know, we've potentially elevated this definition of genius to exclude a number of people. But if we look at it in terms of a zone of genius, and as you say, 
Everyone's going to have that zone of genius. Everyone's going to have their own unique set of experiences that no one else in the world is going to be able to you know, call upon and experience in the exact same way. And I think that emphasis on the fact that everyone can do that, that everyone has a zone of genius as opposed to either just people being a genius or, or not a genius, I think that's so important. And I also think it ties so much into creativity because, you know, again, it's that idea, well, anyone can have a zone of genius, anyone can develop their creativity. And that's... I, We've had a little bit of discussion about this off air, Dad, and it'll probably come up a little bit in the next episode a little bit more, but, you know, this idea of people having, you know, creativity as a lower strength, I think it's it, it, it's almost uncommon out of the character strengths in the way that we are able to develop. It, it does seem that there is a bit of a process to it. Yes, yeah, so I suppose something that we're talking about here is another positive psychology notion, the notion of a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. If we think, oh, I'm not athletic, or I'm not smart, or I'm not creative, that's a fixed mindset that will limit us. A growth mindset is, hey, however creative I am, or think I'm not, I can develop my creativity further. And that's what we'll be encouraging in this podcast for the benefits of creativity, which if we look at it, what are the main things about creativity? Creativity always involves some kind of novelty, something which is new and that's adaptable, like it kind of works. If I put a chair together and I say that's creative and it all falls apart the next five minutes, that's not really what we're looking at at creativity because it's not just doing something different. It also implies it can have some benefit. Well, I think it's worth actually getting into now before we get too far into it. What actually are some of the benefits of pursuing our creativity? Well, I think some of the main benefits from creativity come from two main dimensions. One is a kind of problem-solving dimension. So that's where we've got original, like say novel, adaptive ways of dealing with challenging situations. And that can be, it could be creating something, if you like, that helps solve a problem, but also might be how we deal with a challenging situation, coming up with a novel way of dealing with that. But also with creativity, it's partly about pleasing ways we might express ourselves. It's a way of putting forward our identity in some way. And that's something that helps us be more fully alive. Well, it is interesting. And, and like I know, for example, with the, the character strengths, that relates to creativity in that kind of adaptive sense, in that problem-solving sense, in that almost practical sense. Like in some ways, it seems to me that there's a couple of elements to creativity in terms of there's the practical there's, hey, this is the problem, and the archetypally creative person is just going to be able to think of more solutions in a range of ways. But then there is that personal level as well in terms of that thing of differentiation and integration that we spoke about with flow. There seems to be a whole range of mental health benefits that come with having a creative pursuit. Yes, well, in being creative, we're more likely to be doing two things as well. We're more likely to be doing things that we're good at and things that we enjoy doing. So again, that's something which helps us get in a state of flow, being very engaged in what we're doing. We're more likely to be more productive in those situations. And actually, another thing we know about being creative and experiencing novelty in some way, new learning, novelty, being creative, is that adds to our level of neuroplasticity. It's associated with creating new brain cells and the connections between them. That reflects the ways that we keep on renewing ourselves. When we're renewing ourselves through creative acts, we're also renewing our brain. Well, I think that's fascinating. And, and 
potentially what looking at creativity from just the practical side of things does in terms of, you know, just that problem solving adaptive notion of creativity is potentially there's a, a less of an emphasis on, you know, creativity for creativity's sake in the sense of, you know, spending an afternoon, you know, drawing or, or whatever it was. Actually, I know a range of people in lockdown who took up, took up painting. And, uh, and they produce some all right stuff too. I would have thought they would be kind of paint by numbers type people, but uh, but they got into it because of the benefits of just having an activity that was just for the sake of it, just a, a fun creative pursuit that they probably never even showed anyone as well. And that's terrific if people developed their creativity in those circumstances, because we know it's actually more difficult to be creative at times of war, economic depressions, presumably in a pandemic as well. But that's a great example of how that capacity can always be there. But I think to some extent, actually, as things are becoming less restricted from the pandemic, people are getting back in workplaces together more. We're maybe a little bit more freed up with our opportunities and time and different things that we do. That's again where this is a good time to talk about this topic where we maybe have more opportunities to be expansive. And there's something about being expansive and expressing ourselves which is satisfying, even if it doesn't particularly solve a practical problem. It's expressing ourselves and so part of what we're encouraging also through this podcast is we don't have to be what we might call a big C creative person like a Frank Lloyd Wright or a Picasso or whatever and we don't have to give up because we can't aspire to that level of talent but we can draw on our talents and interests in doing different things sometimes for their own sake, whether in leisure or because there's aspects of work where it adds to our enjoyment to do things in a particular way. Well, creative pursuits seem to me as, as one of the absolute best things to, I suppose, get us out of that level of inertia. You know, we talk about things like, you know, doing something, anything, and then saying, at least I did that. Well, a creative task for the you know, sake of just doing something fun and creative and, and then, you know, saying, at least I did that, like it lends itself so well to... I suppose, that way of thinking. Yes, and um, so when we think about how we go about finding our creativity, I'd have to say one expression that to me is always a helpful guide, both at a broader level and a more basic level, is Joseph Campbell's phrase, follow your bliss. He was partly mentioning that in terms of a life path, if you like, that genius idea, or the Greeks talked about it as daemon, that notion of finding your destiny or your fate or the right direction for you. Well, if we follow our bliss, we're more likely in our work and other pursuits or what friendship groups we join with, if you like, we're more likely to be more fully ourselves if we engage in situations that lead us to feel more energised and passionate. So we can think of what kind of for example, career directions or broader interests might we have which involve following your bliss. It might be playing a musical instrument. It might be, again, some form of artwork or some other form of problem solving. But that's one guide to it that I always find a helpful expression and we can apply that in many ways. Like we find, hey, I really enjoy doing this activity. It gives me a sense, again, of flow. I feel really engaged in what I'm doing and afterwards I feel, yeah, that was great to have spent some time doing that. Well, I think that is such a central point of creativity because one thing that strikes me about so many of these creatives, you know, like 
We've had a little bit of a chat off air, Dad. You, you refer to them as big C creatives. And I know Chick Set Me High does as well, but I must admit, I prefer not to. And, and we will have a little bit more of a talk about this in the next episode. But one of the things that strikes me about these creatives is that there seems to be a, a real level of persistence to it. In terms of, you know, creativity, like obviously, you know, we can do a creative activity for the sake of it. We can enjoy it for a couple of hours. But that idea of following your bliss, it seems to me maybe something a little bit more, I suppose, embedded into our personality in a way. We, we can give things a try, but for something to not just be novel, for it to actually be a creative pursuit, we potentially have to persist with it a little bit more. And, and I know one quote that uh, I believe it's been attributed to Thomas Edison, but, but oh, I think it was actually someone else who, who spoke it originally. But they said about creativity being 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. And so obviously, you know, perspiration, that idea of hard work, it seems to me that there is an element of doing creativity for creativity's sake, but it also seems something about creative endeavours that the more that we can stick to them, the more that we can develop them, the more that we can, I suppose, spend time on them, the further that they'll develop. And, and so that's where if we do find something that we do really enjoy, it is likely that we're just going to have that natural persistence with it. Yes, and so one of the things in that too is it can get at the myth that if only I was a very super creative, talented person, I'd be able to pull some creative you know, product, you know, some song, artwork or whatever, just pull it out of myself really easily kind of thing, when in fact it's not like that. There is the perspiration to it. And the way I think it helps to think of this, it's actually a model taken from Chick Set Me High in his book, creativity, he describes about there being three different dimensions to creativity or elements. Domain, individual and field. Now what's the domain? That's the domain of knowledge. For example, if someone's going to be a creative musician, you really need to learn the craft. You need to learn about music. You need to learn about a particular musical instrument. You're not just going to be able to pick up an instrument for three weeks and be able to create some masterpiece. There's an enormous amount of knowledge involved in it. We'll talk about some of the other aspects of developing that knowledge of the domain shortly. Then with the individual, there are a range of different personality characteristics that can support creativity, clearly being curious and open, being prepared to be a bit unconventional can help, that kind of thing, being persistent in following something through, personality-wise can help. But then also for something to be recognised as creative, so this is the adaptive element, you have to have it acknowledged or recognised by a field, meaning other kind of experts. It might be art experts or wine tasting experts or other people who can gauge whether someone's shown a really novel mathematical theorem to come up with an answer of things or physicists or engineers to see if some kind of development or new theory or new way of doing things in a field is likely to work. So we also need that work in the first place to learn our knowledge of a field before we can be particularly creative, especially at a very high level, and then it's important to have some kind of validation of that by other people if we're looking to have those higher levels of creativity. Well, I think this is something, look, let's really break this down, Dad, because this is really something that is central to, to the idea of creativity. And, and our good mate, Mahali Csikszentmihalyi, obviously wrote the book on creativity, and, and this is a, a central theme in that book. But if we just look at that first point, the domain, 
or I've also heard this referred to as the subject matter. And the way that I almost think about this is in terms of, you know, like you're interested in an area, you want to do something in that area, well, you've kind of got to find out a little bit about that area to know if you're even doing something new. Like, how do you know if something's new in the first place if you haven't really, I suppose, delved into that area and, and understood a little bit about the landscape in the first place? So, so I suppose, as we spoke about before, like that calls upon a little bit of persistence in an area to learn about that area to at least a level of depth. Yes, and I think one thing that relates to that is what Malcolm Gladwell refers to in his book Blink is this idea of like sudden intuition that people develop. It might be a firefighter being able to guess how a fire is going to go or it might be a psychotherapist looking to come up with a very creative solution on the spot or it might be someone else looking to really intuitively understand a certain kind of subject matter to develop our intuition which is part of what can support our creative efforts in doing something new, this notion of you need to have 10,000 hours of experience to become an expert in something. I think that's also relevant to the idea of being a very creative musician. You probably need to spend that 10,000 hours of practice and learning and knowledge before you can be a master at a certain kind of level. But also, we don't have to be the highest level of whether it be musician or therapist or artist, but we do need to do a fair bit of homework if we truly want to come up with something novel and good or at least to have something that's likely to be recognised by many people as adding something new in a substantial way. Well, it's an interesting one. and you know, like I suppose in some ways the thing that I think about this is modern art as an example. You know, Dad, I'm, I'm a bit of an untrained eye when it comes to modern art. And I look at some things, I think, that is that's two squares in a circle on a blank canvas. Like, well, how is that worth? You see the price tag of what it is. There's almost that famous one. I think it's like literally, it's like red and blue. There's like sort of two panels and they kind of blend into each other a little bit. And it's, it is worth millions and millions of dollars. But at the same time, like if I was to create my own modern art, it's probably not going to have... Whatever elements, you know, they're looking for in terms of, you know, what constitutes modern art. To me, it probably would be, you know, two squares and, and a circle without, I suppose, any of that central premise that is involved in kind of art itself. It would just be something that's so novel and out there that it wouldn't, I suppose, be considered creative. And I suppose that's the thing about a certain kind of field, like... A person might also think, look, I can write a story in any way about something that's happened and think, well, okay, that's a great story. But by the same token, many trained journalists might think that there were some things which were false with that particular story. It was either a little bit ambiguous or something maybe wasn't checked to the extent it could be. So there are different standards that might apply in a field. But I suppose one thing that we're differentiating here is there can be the larger creative pursuits, like someone being recognised as a substantial architect, but there's also the act of creativity itself that we can bring into our lives and work. But even with that more modest level of creativity, part of the notion is doing our homework makes a difference. Practising something over and over again helps us do it in a different way. It's worth also checking our results when we do that, sometimes checking with other people who know something about that area, whether it seems to work, but not just going on our own idiosyncratic ideas. There's creativity in doing 
anything in a different way to some extent. But when we really look at the benefits of creativity, we're also looking at some kind of potential recognition by others as well, that that's either a pleasing or helpful expression in some way or meaningful in some way, or it helps solve a problem. Where we'll certainly uh, come back to the uh, the idea of the individual uh, as well, but I suppose that's one of the things that helps differentiate pure novelty from creativity in a way. Because you know, I think, for example, you know, music anyone can create a song, but at the same time, there's probably going to be you know a set amount of music producers and record executives and people within the music industry who have an idea of what is successful in the industry, they have an idea about potential ways that the industry could you know, evolve in the future and they might come across something which they go, oh, I've never heard this before. But it seems to me that there's going to be some people in that industry who do have such a kind of innate understanding of the principles involved in, in, in whether something's good or not that you almost do need that... I suppose it's almost like that gatekeeper role of people to say, oh, hold on, yes, like this is accepted as having value. This is not accepted as having value because otherwise it's just kind of anything goes as well. So I think that role of, yeah, the the field, it, it does perform a function, certainly. But the other thing that strikes me about that is how much that's potentially changed in recent times. Like you look at the music industry, for example, 20 years ago, you would have had to know a you know, record executive who was able to get you a commercial contract in a way and then you can get your music out like that. Whereas these days, you know, for things like the internet, you basically just produce your music and away you go. But I think it's still worth thinking about that idea of the field, thinking about that idea of, well, who are the, I suppose, custodians of value, for lack of a better term, because without, I suppose, recognising what has come before you, without... I suppose, building on something that was already there and maybe taking it in a new direction. But if you're just coming up with your own thing in isolation, well, potentially that's not very creative. That's maybe a little bit more radical. It seems to me that creativity is about almost bringing those people who may have an awareness of the same kind of domain and subject area as you. You've kind of got to bring them along for the ride in a way. You you can't be too out there in a way that people within that industry or within that subject area or, or whatever it is don't identify with as as being part of their industry as well. Yes, so it is partly this thing about being prepared to check with other people and and it reminds me of some contrasting characteristics that many creative people tend to have. They tend to be both humble and proud. Now, humble in what sense? Well, they might partly think that they had the opportunity to have their creativity recognised. It might be in music or it might be in writing or it might be in a scientific field because of luck. They're in the right place at the right time. They had the right kind of mentors to help them maybe. They had different opportunities and resources and they might think other people might have if you like, equivalent ability, but they were able to get the opportunities. But they'll also tend to be proud because they'll recognise that their ideas have been tested out many times over. If it is, for example, a scientist or someone who's submitted their artwork often to competitions or whatever. And I would say that with personal experience, that notion of looking to have a degree of humility and being open to opinion, I know as many other people would have had this experience at times when writing a book, like writing a book on synchronicity earlier on, there might have been times writing certain sections and thinking, hey, this is a great idea, or this will come across okay, or whatever. You submit it to an editor, 
and it comes back with lots of red marks and all the rest of it. At first, oh, it can be a little bit of a blow to the ego, whatever, and you might think, hey, wait a minute, that was all right. But you look back often later on, you might look at it first, put it away for 15 minutes or half a day or whatever and come back and realise, yeah, actually it wasn't so good, was it? I can improve on that. So there's that notion with creativity, it's being open to that kind of checking. And we might check ourselves by our own standards and put something aside and reread it again or come back and look at a painting or something we've done or wonder if we'd be able to solve a problem in yet another way or make a tweak to something that we're doing. But yeah, being open to others' opinions can make a difference. So there's partly the court of public opinion but also it's not just about posting something on social media and getting 200,000 likes. That doesn't mean it's high quality. There'll be a number of things that might have a certain level of popularity, but there'll be people who are seen as having particular talents or attributes who might say, look, that's rubbish. So there's a little bit more to it than that. It's being open to that checking or scrutiny, but if something is going to be truly creative and make a difference at a broader level, it's going to have some extra checking involved with it and it often helps if that involves other people. So we don't just expect ourselves to be some creative genius pulls some great idea out and that'll be just fine because the creative geniuses don't do that. The creative geniuses spend a lot of time doing their homework and learning their area and learning from other people and peers. And creative geniuses, even after the greatest inspiration, they'll be checking out their ideas with other people. They'll be open to scrutiny. And that's what helps them be even greater. And with ourselves, using that drawing on others, learning from an area, but also that checking, that's part of the creative process too. It's not just that massive aha insight. I've come up with this great idea, pull that up in a second. A lot of it's the 99% perspiration. Well, I think that's so true, Dad. And, you know, one thing that I think about there is, I think it was actually a Charles Dickens quote where he said, I wanted to write you a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. <laughs> in terms of, obviously there's a level of, I suppose, refinement in some ways that, that all those creative people are able to go through. And it seems that involving other people is a big part of that. But one of the other things that really comes to mind for me, Dad, there is that, you know, you mentioned this idea of, you know, writing and, and coming back to it and potentially going, oh, my word, that's actually nowhere near as good as I thought. Like I, I can pull my hand up and say that that has happened to me on regular occasions. It seems to me that that's a little bit of a part of this creative cycle that we can go through. And, you know, some days it just seems that you're just so much more creative than other days. Other days you're just a little bit more analytical. Some days you may feel like editing things a little bit more as opposed to coming up with something creative. But do you want to maybe talk about this idea of the creative cycle? Because I think it's worth recognising that we're not always going to be in that, I suppose, storming stage of brainstorming as many things as possible and, and feeling really stimulated and creative. Yes, well, when it comes to the creative cycle, it helps to recognise four basic stages. Really useful to have these in mind. Preparation, incubation, illumination or insight, and evaluation. So four stages. Preparation. Now, we're often mulling over a problem in our head. We might be wondering about themes for a song or a particular way of conveying an idea 
as a therapist, a way of approaching a challenging situation or any kind of challenge or problem that we have in our everyday life. But that preparation in addressing a problem, it might be how you might cook a different type of cuisine. The preparation will include all the kind of learning that you've done in the past that relates to cooking, for example, the skills that you've learnt, but also like a reason for coming up with something new in the first place. So you're already preparing yourself to address a problem in some kind of way or to express yourself in some kind of way. Then there's the incubation. And at that incubation stage, it might be someone looking to write a poem, for example, and they've got an idea of what they're wanting to express, they've got feelings that they want to convey, but they're not quite sure of what words they might use to convey this, and so there's something cooking in their mind for a period of time. But that's also the equivalent of facing a problem and we're mulling it over or we're facing a challenge in some way. We're not quite sure how we're going to be able to address or solve that problem. That's the incubation stage. Then what happens more suddenly, that insight, is the illumination stage, an aha experience, sometimes called that gestalt experience, where you suddenly get this notion of a, a phrase comes to you, a melody comes to you, a way of solving a problem. You join the dots in some way. Oh, now that makes sense to me, what I've been mulling over. And then there's the evaluation. Does your way of addressing that situation work? Or ah, the way I've expressed myself in words in that poem, for example, or in that writing, is that the way I really want to convey it? Is that going to get the message across? So again, preparation, that'll tend to be a longer stage and that skill building and formulating what we're trying to do. The incubation, we're kind of going within, looking at how am I going to write about that, for example, or express that in painting, or how am I going to solve this? The illumination and then the evaluation. Well, it's a, it's a fascinating process and, and I think it's one that will potentially come up a little bit in the next episode as well. But what it really highlights to me is, I suppose, the value of working on something creative for, a, for an extended period of time, like potentially over a couple of days. Because one of the things that really stood out to me is, you know, that idea of incubation. Because, you know, like... One thing that I find with creative stuff, Dad, is so often it can hit you at the most random time. It's quite often in the middle of the night and you might write a couple of things down and go, oh, I'll follow up on that tomorrow. And, and quite often you, you read it in the morning and go, oh, I was on planet nowhere last night. What on earth was going on there? This is absolutely rubbish. But at the same time, you might pick up a little bit of a thread from it and you might think about it over the course of maybe a day and maybe you're having a shower at some stage and maybe something else hits you and maybe you're just going about your business thinking about something completely unrelated a couple of days later and then you might think of things in a new way or, or a new idea pops out at you as you say. And, and so it's like as we spoke about earlier, I think there can be so much value in doing things for the, for the sake of it, creative pursuits for the sake of creative pursuits and all the benefits that they bring. But at the same time, I think if we really want to do something that we do, uh, you know, refine down, that we are able to kind of work on and, you know, yeah, really sort of produce something of the highest quality, it seems to me that working on it over a period of time, well, that gives us more time to work on it. It gives us more opportunity for those incidental thoughts to come up at, at almost random times. Okay, and what you're saying there, it seems to me that our creativity 
is influenced by different kind of times and settings, like when ideas might come to us or how we prepare for things. So it helps to think of how we can enhance our creativity using certain kinds of strategies depending on different stages. If we're looking at, say, the preparation stage or the evaluation stage, that involves the perspiration, the hard work. So it really helps to have routines where we have a work setting where we can really focus and concentrate, preferably the same kind of setting where we feel quite comfortable, we've got all the resources that we need there, maybe the same kind of day that we sit there for a certain number of hours, that might help, do we know whether we're more of a morning or an afternoon person to be productive, just going on the kind of things that are conducive to that ongoing research work, those kind of routines for being productive. But when it comes to the incubation or illumination stages, sometimes it helps to step back from our usual routines because often people come up with their best ideas. It might even be when they're in the shower or going for a jog or walking, or in my case, I've often enjoyed kayaking, for some people gardening, driving. This is often when we're doing different kinds of semi-automatic activities where we've got to pay some attention on what we're doing, but we've got some space in our minds left or some attention left for ideas to bubble up. And it can also be if we're in novel settings. Like I find sometimes being away on holiday or going for a walk in a different place or can even include if we vary our routines where we're more likely to encounter someone different from who we normally would. Some novelty or difference and time out from our usual routines and having a break from the work side of things when we're focused, that actually helps the incubation and the illumination stage. So part of creativity is recognising that there are these contrasts between the intense concentration and focus and learning and stepping back and away from it, letting ideas bubble up. There's that notion of being prepared to also follow our own ideas, but also being open to other people's ideas. There's this contrast, if you like, of going within and focusing without. And if we've got the settings that help us focus without, but taking the time out, if you like, for thoughts to bubble up, maybe talking to people from different fields as well, listening to different kinds of music or artistic expressions if you're an artist to help your own creativity, allowing for the cross-fertilisation of ideas. So there's this combination of being open but also being focused and if our daily routines and activities help that, then that can make a difference. Well, certainly, and look, it was one of the things that I found so much in COVID, Dad, in the sense that one of the things that I really like to do when I'm particularly doing some writing stuff or you know writing a podcast or doing something a little bit more creative in a way is go to a cafe and often a you know a cafe I either haven't been to for a while or have never been to before because then you get to sit in that completely different environment you know you might walk there in the morning uh, yeah just get to basically take yourself out of you know your desk your office that normal environment which has a you know I suppose a few preconceived notions with it in terms of, you know that's where I was yesterday doing this hard work I want to get myself into a, a fresh space now where I can think expansively in new directions and I really like that that point about changing up the setting because it seems to me quite an easy thing that we can do 
even you know potentially changing some of the visual cues around our office and and the setup of our office and the direction of our desk and all those sorts of things. Potentially, if we do that every so often, it's going to give us a bit of a benefit as well. So I really like that idea of focusing on yeah, how can we potentially even bring in some novelty into our setting to stimulate some novelty in our thinking. Yes, and stepping back from our usual routines in that way, as you say, going to a cafe or away from the workspace, that also can help our intuition, that stepping back. But part of the idea is with our intuition, or stepping back or joining the dots or that incubation, and then an idea bubbles up, that illumination, that insight, it's worth having a notebook with us. So jotting down our ideas, or it could be jotting it down in the notes on your phone. So... Allowing for ideas to come to us at different times in different ways. And one of the things that people tend to do when they're writers is have a pad beside the bed. Because so often something comes up in the middle of the night. I'd actually find about half of my book on synchronicity was written, the first sections of it, of paragraphs or pages or sections, was written at four o'clock in the morning. Because so often I'd wake up at four o'clock in the morning and an idea would be there. And I think even... Confucius said something like, you must listen out for that small voice and then act on that if it says you must write something. Now, whether it's Confucius or not, maybe that's a bit of creative fiction there, but that notion of drawing on that small voice, I think a lot of people could relate to that idea when thoughts bubble up. So, yeah, recording our ideas, because sometimes we'll forget it a few hours afterwards or if we're on holidays and we haven't noted down something, we can think, what was that idea again when we're back in our usual routines? Being open to capturing those creative ideas, which is a little bit like also brainstorming if we're in a work or a team setting. Let different ideas come up and then record it at the time. Most definitely, and that's where I actually use a program called Evernote, Dad. And, you know, there's Evernote, there's OneNote, there's a range of programs that can do that. But it's almost like your little personal database. And being a computer program, like it syncs up with my phone, I've got one on my iPad, one on my computer. Basically, any time I'm on the internet or come across anything or think of something, you can just kind of clip it out and put it in this uh, this program that becomes your own personal database and and I know, I know we've, uh, we're, we're getting close to wrapping up for today dad but I do just want to tease something because having that little personal database uh, we will talk about this a little bit more in the next episode I'm sure because it's something that Leonardo da Vinci did and this whole idea of you know you talk about creatives and mythology and all this sort of stuff it's uh you know we're really going to get into it in the next episode and I'm very much looking forward to it dad because I think once we yeah as I say start to look into exactly what the process of some of the most creative people are then we can take a lot out of it for our our own benefit in the pursuit of our own creative endeavors yes so hopefully what we've talked about today gets across some of the landscape if you like of creativity and yes look forward to us talking next about some of the ways of developing that further well, thanks so much for, for chatting with me about all this today, Dad. As always, we'll put up the resources for today at sykespeels.com.au. You can catch today's episode page and all the other episode pages for the, for the podcast that are up there as well. But, Dad, look forward to the next one. See you next week, Rowan.